Would you open God's precious holy word to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 12, 13, and 14. Remember the theme of Philippians, all have agreed through the ages, is joy. Paul writes about joy from prison in a most uncomfortable set of circumstances, But the gospel is never shackled. In Christ, we are never shackled. And we see that here in Paul's letter to the Philippians in this part. So he continues from where we've been in the first 11 verses. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that my circumstances have turned out. Well, of course they did. From a, a root that means it came about, it happened. It's, a, it's, a, it's the movement, it's the divine moving of the Holy Spirit. Nothing's going to stop the purpose of God. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Rome can't stop it. The world today, the United Nations, NATO, the United, nobody, not a person, not a force, not an institution, not a power, not a government, nothing can stop the gospel of Christ. It has a, an eternal purpose. Into the ages of mankind, God is calling his own to himself. That won't stop until the last one of us has come in. So nothing in the world, no force, no power, but the gospel has always been opposed. God in heaven has always been opposed. His word, his purpose, his call to his people. You go back to Abraham, and you look all the way through the Bible. The forces, the nations, the powers of the world raise up, rise up against God and his Christ to no avail. We talked about that not long ago. Psalm 2 on a Wednesday night. So Paul makes this statement. I'm in prison. I'm chained to a Praetorian guard. I mean, okay. You want to think of in that setting in that day, a Praetorian guard. You think of the most elite special operations forces, combat forces in the world. The best of the best. You combine them all together and then you take the best of the best of those and put them all up into one and here's a, here's a Praetorian guard. He is the best of the best. Paul is chained to this guy. He's in prison. Of course, his heart and his call in life are to go into this world and to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. To go first to those synagogues and then there be rejected by the Jews such that the Gentiles would come and a church would be established, his missionary trips, his missionary journeys, his missionary work, proclaiming and preaching the gospel of Christ, and he's chained. Is that going to stop the Spirit of God? Of course not. Here's what he says. I want you to know this. God is at work. It has happened. This has happened. Not by the will of man, but by the will of God. You and I enjoy the blessings of such letters, epistles as Philippians, because Paul was in chains. 
He's in prison writing this thing. The, the highest level of Christian doctrine is taught in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He was in prison when he wrote that letter. So is it going to stop? Of course not. My circumstances have happened, have occurred, have turned out for the progress of the gospel. Nero thought he was, <laughs> Nero thought he was going to stop the advancement of the church, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why God is laughing in heaven. Nothing can stop Mr. X. <laughs> that just happened in my mind. It's a family joke. Um, nothing can stop the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. This is God. This is God accomplishing his will in his creation. Nothing's going to stop that. I've had some pretty low times in my ministry. I, I don't know. Man, I, there were times, especially early on, I finally have concluded I'm just called to preach and I can't fight it, you know. Because every time I tried to fight it, it never worked out. It's because it was my will, not God's will. But it was always a reaction to people. Nobody in the, nobody, listen to me, nobody outside the church has ever intimidated me such that I just wanted to quit. It was always people in the church that intimidated me and made me want to quit. That's the truth after nearly 50 years of it. And I'm not fussing. Nobody's come after me as far as I know this week. So don't, I'm just, I'm just reminiscing over Paul. There were times when I was chained. I mean, I, you know, I think back of one of the darkest eras of my pastorate. And some of them, and I'm thinking, that was awful. You know, when I finally emerged from it, and I'm bleeding all over spiritually and all kind of stuff, and didn't want to ever go back and do that again. But some of the richest, sweetest testimonies of their growth in Christ have come to me from those particular, well, from one particular pastorate telling me, you taught me how to study the Bible. You raised me up to another level on thinking of Jesus and all these kinds of things, you know, and I'm thinking, well, boy, I didn't feel like it. Where were you? <laughs> Where were you back then, man? Here's the deal. We are unshackled even though we may feel shackled. God is up to something. If you're in Christ, God's going to use you until you're used up. Thank God. The Apostle Paul here has almost completed his task. He doesn't know just when it will be completed. He will write to Timothy later in a deeper part of a more horrific imprisonment. 
He'll say, my time has come. The time of my departure is here. And I know that it is. I fought a good fight. But it's not yet. He's yet, and, and Paul is 10 years younger than me here at the end of it all. And I think about that a lot. And he's, God is about to use him until he has completed the task he intended to accomplish through the life of the Apostle Paul. And then his life will be completed. I've said that before. I've told you about Robert Murray McShane, that young, that young preacher who wrote such wonderful works, had such an impact in Christianity back in Great Britain during his day. Hundreds of years ago, he died at the age of 26. One of the most brilliant pastors who wrote that I've ever read after. 26 years old. God accomplished his task through Robert Murray McShane. So chains don't make any difference. Doesn't, age doesn't make any difference, really. God is accomplishing his will, his purpose, and for that we are thankful. And we fall on our faces before a sovereign God and thank him that he uses us. And in my life now, I've gone through these things long enough and I can even, even look back on the dark ages and I can see that there was brightness there and that God was using whatever, whatever was going on and accomplishing something in all of that. So then here he says, it happened for the progress, the progress, the advancement, the progress of the gospel Prokopen, the advancement. Now that word means to advance or to progress even though there are hindrances and obstacles. The, the, word, the word has within it in the Greek, it has, the Greek word has within it the understanding that there are obstacles. There are, there are problems, there are obstacles, but it doesn't matter. This is, this is what the word means. It means that regardless of what's there, it's just moving over it. It's going on. I watched a, not that the gospel should be compared to a mudslide, but I was watching something on TV and it just interested some city recently in some country, foreign nation somewhere. They had built through the hundreds of years of their existence, this huge canal big thing it had stones up on the walls and it went down about eight feet it went right through the middle of this village sort of a small town because over the centuries over the many decades of, ex of their existence in that village they had learned that during the rainy season the mudslide would come and follow this particular path and so they built a pathway for it <laughs> so that then it was kind of a remarkable thing to watch but on this particular occasion, as it was filmed, this thing just busted out of its walls. And it went and it took down a couple of buildings and, and cars and people were screaming. And this thing, this thing went on and it was going to progress wherever it was, regardless of what was there. It couldn't be channeled like they thought it could. And this was... As I understood the report, one of the worst ones that had ever occurred. Well, let's, let's make this something more pure than mud. Let's, let's make it crystal diamond river of life that 
is like the gospel. Nothing is going to stop it. People try to put boundaries around it and they try to channel it in the way that they want to go. It will go where God intends for it to go. And nothing will stop it. This is the case of the Apostle Paul, Nero. And it's in the same time frame of when we studied Peter. You remember Peter, the, the, the Christians to whom he wrote, were, they were really under attack and, and the hostilities of Rome were after them because they were Christians after the church to stop the church, to stop the gospel of Christ. And so Peter becomes eventually imprisoned as is Paul imprisoned here. Same time frame, same Nero. Nero's going to put a stop to it. Nero, oh, he would root out the Christians of Rome. He would dip them in hot wax, impale them on rods and set them on fire so that they could serve as the torches to light up the way to his palace when he threw a party. That's just one of the things he did to Christians, according to history. That didn't stop it. Paul is in chains. He thinks, okay, I got to stop this guy from walking all over the, 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 the empire and preaching this thing. That there is a supreme king. You know, the Caesar always thought he was the supreme king. They thought of Caesar as God. And so he thinks that putting Paul in chains is going to make a difference. It doesn't. Here's what Paul says. It happened in spite of the obstacles. What were the obstacles? Well, Nero was one of them. The hostilities of the Roman Empire, another. The fact that Paul is chained, the greatest propagator of the gospel by the will of the Holy Spirit in that day was in chains. And so they thought that it would, you know, hinder or stop uh, the advancement of the church, the preaching of the gospel. Nope. It kept going. My circumstances have turned out for the progress of the gospel. So that this, the, 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 the so that rests on what just preceded so that my chains in Christ. Let me say this. When you read Paul in other places in the New Testament, talk about his chains. His chains are always in Christ. Paul was not a criminal. Paul didn't break the law like a criminal breaks the law. The only reason Paul was chained was because of his proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they were, they were the chains of Christ. I'm in Christ. So that my chains in Christ have become well known throughout. And I'm going to make two points here. How, how have his chains and what he is doing the gospel, the progress of the gospel, how have they become well known? It's, uh, it's, like, it's like every time Nero tried to stop it, it just multiplied, you know? So here it is, become well known First of all, 
in a place where otherwise it would have never been heard. Number one, in the palace of Caesar. The word praetorian means palace. So your, your Bible may say palace guard, the, the, the original word is praetorian. And it means the elite palace guard, the praetorian guard. The Praetorian Guard talked a little bit about them. Caesar Augustus is the one who started this elite group of Roman soldiers. They were the best of the best. They were loyal. They were the best trained. They were hardened in battle. They were undefeated. And they were terrific soldiers. Super soldiers. They were, they were carefully, carefully chosen. When he started the Praetorian Guard, Caesar Augustus started with 10,000 of them. So that you, you, one would never know in that day when people could sneak into Rome and maybe try to cause an insurrection. There's a word you've heard a lot lately. Cause an insurrection of some kind. So we had the Praetorian Guard and they were fearless. And they were absolute warriors. Totally dedicated to their cause. Death meant nothing, nothing to them if it was a death in battle, especially. Praetorian Guard, well... Tiberius, later on, Caesar Tiberius built for them a fortified camp so that they had their own place where they could continue training, they could sleep, they were well served, they lived better just about than anybody in Rome, except maybe for some of the elite government officials. They were well cared for, and they were a, a well-trained and extremely motivated group of soldiers, so he built for them a, a fortified place that helped them. And then later on, Vitellius he uh, he raised their number from ten thousand to sixteen thousand. They would serve for sixteen years. When they reach the end of their sixteenth year of service, they were given the highest order of Roman citizenship that a Roman could have. They were given a large sum of money and had honor and recognition for the rest of their lives. This Praetorian Guard. They were special. If anybody could watch after Paul and make sure that nothing is happening, you know, with regard to him trying to raise people up in some kind of rebellion, it would be the Praetorian Guard. Now here it says... His chains in Christ have become well known, number one, throughout the Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Now, I have number one, that's actually three groups, I guess, but it starts with the Praetorian Guard. They worked six-hour shifts when they were chained to the Apostle Paul, six hours. Can you think of being chained to the Apostle Paul for six hours? Wherever he went, they had to go. Now, he had a little freedom. He was a Roman citizen who was in prison, so he wasn't as mistreated at this point as some prisoners were. So he had, he had some freedom, not absolute freedom, but the Praetorian Guard went with him everywhere. Now, <clears throat> Rome was listening to all of this stuff coming out of the palace in Rome about how horrible Christians were that they ate each other, you know, 
Uh, they fed on each other's blood and ate each other's flesh. I mean, just, just made Christians sound horrible. Well, that became something of an oddity. And the greatest preacher of Christianity in the world was in chains and he was in his own house and he could receive visitors. According to F.W. Meyer, who researched all of this, he said that the house that Paul had rented with the gifts that the churches had given him was filled to capacity during the day as Paul proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. All day and into the night, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of people during a week would come out, most of them converted to Christianity. Now here's a Praetorian guard watching this, hearing that Christians eat each other and do all these weird things. And probably the most gracious and loving man on the planet was the Apostle Paul. And so for six hours, they would watch this guy with all of his grace and his love and proclaim the gospel that encouraged whoever would hear to come and live forever in a life of, of blessing and in, in, a, in a life that is eternal, that will enjoy the highest privileges and blessings of God in creation. There wasn't anything negative about it. Didn't preach, against the, didn't preach against the Roman Empire. He preached Christ and him crucified. He preached the wonderful eternal life that is ours in our Lord Jesus. He would, he would, you remember he especially liked, even though he and Mark early on had a disagreement, he really enjoyed having Mark around when you read his other letters, his last letter to Timothy and all. He really enjoyed having Mark because Mark was the chief disciple like Timothy was Paul's disciple. Mark was Peter's disciple and no doubt he would so love to hear Mark tell the things that Peter had told him. Most people call the gospel, most scholars think that the gospel according to Mark is actually the gospel according to Peter. And so enriched with his calling in the Holy Spirit and loaded up in his life with the truth of the gospel. Paul even, Paul even had Christ come to visit him. Once when he was in prison, Christ charged him with his call to the Gentiles. Paul was there for three years in what is called the seminary of the Holy Ghost. He was there for three years learning. He already knew all that he could knew about the Hebrew language in the Old Testament. But now when you put the Holy Spirit of God in a man who knows the Bible like that, the Bible becomes alive and this man is supercharged and ready to preach. And he did. So here's this guy, a wonder of the world, preaching to Roman citizens, some of the most educated people in the world, some of the most respected people in the world, and they're coming by the droves to hear him preach the gospel. And they're leaving converted in Christ. So he says, the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else, here's a guard listening to him for six hours and watching this. And I, I, you know, this is the gospel according to Charles, you take your leave, but they, it comes his six hours are up and they unshackle him. And he would say, I need to hear more about this. 
And so the Praetorian guards were being saved. And then this carries the salvation of Christ into the household of Caesar, the palace of Caesar. He talks about that later in Philippians, how people in the household of Caesar, the very guy, the very guy who hates Christians more than anybody, the, the, the agent of Satan in the world, Nero, and people in his own household being saved, his own bodyguards being saved by the power of the gospel. Why? Because it was the will and purpose of God to have Paul in chains in Rome. Paul had wanted to preach the gospel and read the end of the book of Acts. He wanted to preach the gospel in Rome, but he, you have to be careful when you make a request. He, you know, he thought of himself as walking through and walking around preaching the gospel, not knowing he would be in prison and in chains preaching the gospel. But Rome is becoming converted to Christianity. And there is this hard line of division between the Romans who have extreme hostility toward the church and others who are coming into the church. Nothing like it. This is, this is, this is so much like the Lord. He's birthing the work of the church in the Gentile world through the empowered apostle to the Gentiles in the Gentile capital of the world, in the palace of the leader of the Gentile world. And number one, it's because of his chains that the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else are understanding and hearing the gospel. It's becoming well known to everybody around. That's why I say we are unshackled. We cannot know, I, I, as an old man, I understand now about the things that I have been through, and you should understand as a Christian the things that you've, because God is working on you so that finally your life will be fulfilled in Christ. What higher and greater thing could we have? So that my change in Christ has become well known. Throughout the whole, throughout. I mean, okay, so they, they had to keep it. So here goes a Praetorian guard. He goes back to that fortified camp where he clocks out, you know, and he takes off his Praetorian guard uniform, goes home to mama and the kids. But he, the other guys in there, man, I don't care who you are, guys. I've been, changed to, I've been chained to a man all day long. And he has changed my life. The message that he preaches has changed my life. And so a Praetorian guard becomes, he becomes a witness for Christ. That's what he's saying here. Throughout the whole Praetorian guard and everyone else, the throngs of people that come on a daily basis to listen to Paul preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this is not all. Paul's chains not only impacted Rome and through that really the rest of the world, but it impacted the church as well. People, Christians, so many Christians are filled with fear regarding their testimony, regarding of their work in Christ. Wasn't any different here. There were Christians who were shy, 
about their faith. Good grief, the Roman Empire was against them. It could have cost them their lives. But now observing what is happening through the life and ministry of Paul, who is in chains, here's the second effect that it has. Not just those who, are, who weren't in the church previously, but also the believers. It's had an effect on the believers. And number two, most of the brothers. Now the word most, uh, uh, pleonis, means the majority of them. Not all of them. We're still going to have people who are afraid. So you, you, you go on. I'll drive the car. You just walk up to the door and knock on it, okay? We're always going to have that. Or some people are going to say, I'm not even going to drive. I'm going to stay here and pray for you while you drive the car and you go up to the door. Well, the majority of them have become emboldened. Look at this. That most of the brothers, why? Because of my chains in Christ. Most of the brothers have become confident. That, that word means to trust. The, the, the root of that word of them is, it means to have faith or, or to, to be trusting. Or trusting in the Lord. They have become confident in what to do in the Lord because of my chains. It's changing the church. It's not only changing the city of Rome, changing the Praetorian Guard, changing the household of Caesar. It's changing the church. Now to become emboldened in Christ because of my chains. And he concludes by saying, they have far more courage to speak the word without fear. Now I have an asterisk after the after wor the word word. Most, and it's not improper, but most translations add to word, they add the phrase of God. That is not in the original text, in the, in the earliest original text. It is the word, which makes the emphasis here on the verb to speak, the line, which is the last Greek word in what we have there, to speak, fearlessly to speak the word, to speak the word. When you look at it this way, it is, of course, the word of God. Of course, it's the word of God. But it is in what's called the present active. And the present active is the most powerful way that a verb can be presented. So these, these people are acting, they are speaking, they have become powerful in their declaration of the gospel, in the line, the speaking, speaking the word. Now, the word uh, sort of modifies the, the verb here to speak. They have far more courage to speak the word without fear. So now it isn't like it isn't like they are reading the scroll. It is like they are living the life of a Christian. They are beyond just reading something to someone. They are declaring this thing to someone because it is real to them. It lives in them and now it must be shared in reality. And that is the impact of the last phrase of the text that we've looked at today. Because of my chains, most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord 
And now they have far more courage to speak the word. To powerfully declare the word without fear. Now, what is inferred here is that given the hostility of Rome and the madness of Nero, they were fearful about speaking the word. But now, the Holy Spirit of God has worked powerfully through the ministry and life of Paul and has worked even through those chains to embolden the Christians to declare the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ for the progress of the gospel. Understand, we are unchained. Are you chained to a desk every day? Are you chained to a, a I don't know, a classroom or, or a, an assembly line where you work? I don't know, whatever, in an office? No, not in Christ. There's a purpose wherever you are. Understand that if you just have the courage to speak the word, to declare it with, to declare it with conviction and, and with your heart, it'll have an effect. It will have an effect. Now that effect, as, as has been demonstrated in my life, that effect may not ever, it may never become obvious to you until the judgment seat of Christ or it may become obvious to you years later. I could have never known that at that point in time, I could have had that kind of effect on that person or those people when I was in that situation or in that place. Because in Christ, I am never shackled. What God is doing through me to fulfill my life and in you as well and through you as well, we're never shackled. God is all powerful. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just a moment, we'll be dismissed. But let me ask you this today. If you came here without Christ, is the Lord calling you to Christ? You'll know it. It's unmistakable. The conviction and calling of God, unmistakable. As you exit, we'll have deacons, wives in the doorway as you, as you leave. They're ready to pray with you about your coming to Christ. Maybe you're here and God is leading you to come and be a part of this congregation. They're there prepared to do whatever is necessary to pray with you and to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with that you might become a part of the family here at Shiloh. Right now, let's prayerfully stand all over this room. We'll be dismissed.